Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bull Take Scouting Podcast. The NFL Draft is now just 16 days away, Alex. It's getting really exciting, and we are at the crucial point in draft season where we're finalizing our grades and our rankings for guys across the board. And so today, we're going to be revealing and discussing our offensive positional rankings. So let's talk about the quarterback class, then all the buzz don't really know yet exactly where these guys are going to slot in lots of connections with different teams kind of unclear so let's let's pull these up and and talk about them yeah i mean as i'm getting them up let's just talk about some of the stuff we've heard regarding the quarterbacks um i think for a while we were thinking probably pick it um to the panthers and now we're hearing um that you know maybe it's willis maybe it's matt corral so I'm having a slight issue pulling these up, but let's start talking about our first quarterback, who is now Kenny Pickett. Yeah, so the my first quarterback, and I don't I don't love calling him my first quarterback because I don't think in any other draft class he would be. That's Kenny Pickett, and at the end of the day, I came to this conclusion because I think he's just the safest quarterback prospect. I think there's just the least questions about his game. I think he's a solid bet to be a good starter or a solid starter in the NFL. Uh, I, I really love how he processes the field, how accurate he is. You see so many tight window throws to the intermediate portion of the field that he's going to have to execute in the NFL. That's really translatable. Some of the drawbacks I have are, I think he's got a limited upside because uh, he doesn't have any fantastic physical trait. And I worry a little bit about a couple of issues. The first one being, I think he gets a little jittery in the pocket in terms of his footwork. Um, when he faces pressure and that might be because he spent years behind a, a poor offensive line and that kind of just cre- crept into into his game and you're hoping that he can kind of get out of that but you're, you're not you're not sure there and the other uh, thing is the fumbles are a little concerning I, I it, it might have to do with the hand size that everyone has loved to talk about but there's there's a few too many over his time at, at Pittsburgh uh, but Bottom line, he's a really good distributor, really accurate. I think he he can be a, a solid starting quarterback in the league for a, for a long time. That's why I have him graded in the middle of the part of round one because that that is quite valuable, obviously. Yeah, and I think um, I think we pretty much think pretty similarly similarly about Kenny Pickett. Um, and for a while, we both had Macarell as our QB one, and we just recently changed. Um, and you know, part of the reason for change was. We've been hearing some some character concerns about Matt Corral. Uh, maybe he's a little bit of a wild guy. Um, and, you know, that's just not what you want on uh, a franchise quarterback. So I, I think that's, um, you know, a little bit concerning when it comes to Matt Corral. Uh, and that's why, you know, we bumped him uh, below Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I think off tape and this whole process, Mackerel was my QB1. I, I love how quick his release is. I love his arm strength. I love his accuracy. Really, my only serious concern about his game was his durability because he, he's got a slight frame and, and he ran a lot, way too much last year. Uh, ended of the season with with a pretty serious injuries to both his ankles. So that, that wasn't ideal and you definitely need him to avoid taking that many hits at the next level for him to be able to, to be durable over 10, 15 years as a team's quarterback. Now, as you alluded to, I'll just come out and say exactly what we heard. I was uh, Bruce Feldman uh, talking to, it looks like Alex is, has disappeared here, but he'll be back in a second. It was Bruce Feldman uh, talking to Lance Zerline and Dane Brugler on the athletic football pod. And he said that talking to NFL teams, 
there are reports that Matt Corral has a wild card of, of, of personality from a maturity standpoint and that NFL teams have their questions about his ability to, to lead a locker room of men that have families. So as, as much as I love his game, as much as uh, I was confident this whole process that he would be my QB one, though those questions do uh, play a significant role in this evaluation. And so I bumped him down to number two. And then at number three comes in Malik Willis, who I, I still have a first round grade on. And I, I love the physical traits. We all do. I just don't know if he, how big the chances are of him being able to overcome all the development that, that lies ahead for him. Yeah, and sorry about the I left my screen got frozen when I tried to share everything, but finally got our QB rankings up. So for those of you watching live on YouTube, you can check them out. Uh, and for those that are listening on the podcast, uh, we'll have them posted on our Instagram pages in the coming days. Um, so uh, we're on Malik Willis. So I think, um, I don't know if Costa said this, but I, I think he might have the highest upside, but he has a mm-hmm. long way to to reach that uh, that potential and that upside, I think. Probably out of the top three, in my opinion, he's got the the lowest um, floor. But I think you know, with the right coaching, maybe being able to sit a year, I think he could he could end up being the best quarterback in this draft in the right situation. But I think that's that's a big projection that I'm not willing to make. Yeah, I, th- I think he's. I kind of graded him in that territory where Macarell is now too, in the bottom part of round one, where there definitely is a path to being a franchise quarterback. There's just there are serious questions in in the way there. And then uh, rounding out my top five, I've got Sam Howell uh, with a late second round grade, Desmond Ritter with an early third round grade, and you have about about the same. And for me, I just I I think Howell took way too much of a step back. He, he if he was going to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL, I think he would have elevated his diminished supporting cast. Yes, he lost Javante Williams and Michael Carter and Yami Brown from the previous year, but I just I saw him get rattled by that way too much. He still struggles a lot versus pressure. So there, there are good traits. I like his processing. I think he's still pretty accurate, but I, I think he faces an uphill battle towards becoming an NFL quarterback. Then with Desmond Ritter, we, we hear that the, char- the character is off the charts. He's so mature, a fantastic leader, really smart, and that honestly is what pushed him up into this this early third round territory for me because I think on film he, it, it's such a projection towards uh, envisioning him as an NFL starting quarterback because the the accuracy just just isn't there right now and I, after four years of being a starter I I question how much more it can develop. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you know, we hear Desmond Ritter talked about his potential. You know, first round, top twenty pick, and. I just don't see it. I get that he has, you know, the mental side of things. He's got a great makeup. He's really smart. But just the physical side of things to me, he doesn't have the greatest arm in the world. He can hit some deep throws, but it's really inconsistent. And like you said, the accuracy is really all over the place. And that's really something hard to project him fixing. I know Josh Allen fixed it. But Josh Allen also had an elite arm, and he was a very good runner. And Ritter does not have an elite arm, and I don't think he's that good of a runner either. So that's where, you know, my hesitancy comes in. Like, even if he could fix his accuracy, I think he'd still be an average starting quarterback um, at best. So that's kind of where I have him at 3.5. And then Strong, really quickly, I know he was a guy that we both really liked coming into the season. He, similar to Howell, I'd say he regressed a little bit, um, but his knee issue is a huge concern. Um, Just long term, I'm worried about the durability of his knee, and he already has, you know, he already lacks athleticism. 
Yeah, for me, I graded strong at a 3.9 late third round because there still is that small chance of him becoming a franchise quarterback. He has an absolutely game-breaking arm. I think he's got the the, the strongest arm in the class. Really yeah, people say Willis does. No, it's it's Carson Strong. Oh, yeah, it, it is Carson Strong. He's got the strongest arm. He can throw the deep ball in a dime. But as you said, the knee injuries are really concerning. Uh, you'd, you'd like a pocket passer to have a, a better feel of going through progressions, better feel of, of sensing pressure, and those are things he's going to have to really improve upon a lot if he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. There still is that path, though, which is why I have him graded there. Yeah, um, let's just – Bailey Zappi and Jack Cohn real quick. I think Zappi, uh, a really good backup in the NFL with the potential mm-hmm. to you know, start a couple games if the starter gets, in, gets injured. And Jack Cohn I just see as a, a solid backup. Um, I think both of them have good accuracy. Uh, the traits you want to see in a backup. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think now we can move into a position group that we really haven't gotten the chance to talk about yet, and that's why I kind of want to jump into them right here earlier in, in this episode, and that's the offensive tackles, because we're going to be seeing two offensive tackles in the top ten for sure, Evan Neal and Ikki Okwanu, not sure which order, but and then I think Charles Cross joins them. And then Trevor Penning can make it four in the top 15. So this is a really talented group at the top. And I've got Evan Neal as my, my first offensive tackle. I think that he he's I mean, obviously has an, a fantastic combination of size and athleticism. Pretty, pretty solid technique too. Really good both against the run and, the, and or with the run and the pass. I, I think all around he's, he's a solid uh, left tackle who's or right tackle, and he's, he's going to be a really good starter for a long time. And then I have Charles Cross at number two, and I think Cross is right there behind Neil. I, I think he's got really good size, really good athleticism, really good technique. I, I when I watch his film, it's it's hard to find weaknesses. Honestly, what put Neil above Cross for me was just that the the traits were were just even better. I mean, Neil Neil's size and how he moves with that, that size is is pretty rare. Yeah, and I I'm, I agree with everything you said on on Evan Neal. We don't really need to touch on that. I have Icky as my second uh, offensive tackle with a one point four, and I just think uh, that his his traits are just really off the charts in in some areas. And I I love him as a run blocker. I think he can improve as a pass blocker. Um, I just love, you know, you can see that uh, that wrestling background that he has, and he's often throwing defensive linemen to the ground. And I just love to see that aggressiveness, that tenacity. Uh, from an offensive lineman, I think he's great uh, in the run game. I think he could play guard and tackle. I think he'll be really good at both. Um, and cross to me, I think he might be pure pass blocker wise. He might be the best uh, in the draft, and we saw him pass block a lot um, at Missouri State. But I, I think um, for me, I wasn't as big of a fan of cross as I was in the run game for the other two, um, and I just see. Neil and Iquanu, in my opinion, have a have the ability to improve more than Cross. The, it, the ability to improve more in the pass game than Cross does in the run game. So that's kind of why I have them there. But I think, you know, you kind of see these three almost interchanged at the top. I've seen some people that have Cross as the offensive tackle one. So I, I think it's a, a really good offensive tackle class at the top. You know, you know, I I got to offer some pushback there. I think Icky's really raw in pass protection. I, I I don't see much coordination between his his hands and his feet. I think the hand placement's 
really inconsistent. He doesn't really have a good understanding of leverage. So while, while I, I absolutely do recognize the traits and the, the character on and off the field is off the charts, which is why I grade, I grade him pretty highly in the mid-first round because I think he's got a solid chance of improving a lot as a, as a tackle. But I think that the gap in, in technique and current ability and pass protection between Cross and Aquonu in, in a league where, you know, especially if you're picking in the top 10, protecting your quarterback, who's likely a younger quarterback, is re- is really just the most important part. So that's why I've got Cross in the top 10 grade and Equonu more um, of, the, of the middle round one. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, what I would do if I uh, drafted Icky is I would play him at guard if I can for the first mm-hmm. year, let him develop. Then he's not on his on his own, on an island, out at tackle. Yeah. Let his pass blocking improve a little bit, then move him out to tackle. Um, you saw him improve from 2020 to 2021. I, I see no reason to think he won't continue to improve. Um, so now let's talk about, you know, some of the, the late first, early second round guys. I think there's a few, I think Trevor Penning, another guy that's just super aggressive. We saw it in the senior bowl all game. Um, and Bernard Raymond, a guy that's really raw, uh, from central Michigan. He's only been playing tackle for two years. I think, um, he, he played tight end before that he came over from, from, uh, Austria, um, to play to play and played football, uh, started in high school. He's a guy, like I said, really raw, but I think he's got all the tools. He's got great size. Yeah. I, I think penning is really the, the definition of he's got all the traits, but you got You got to work with the technique and by, by traits, I don't just mean the size, the length, the athleticism. I, I include the mean streak there too, because that's something you can't coach. And that's something he definitely has. Now I didn't even see him dominate at the FCS level. I, I, but so, so there's definitely a lot of work to be done there. And with Ryman, I actually had Ryman ahead of Penning, but I, I bumped Ryman down because he struggled a lot at the senior bowl. It made me go back to the tape and realize, you know, maybe he is more raw the, than I than I recognized at first. That being said, he's not nearly as raw as you'd imagine he would be with only two years of playing offensive line under his belt. I, I'm really excited about what Ryman can be in this league. I, I was just a little concerned about the senior bowl performance. And there, you, you have to face the reality that he is he's going to be 24 as, as a rookie. So if you're, if he's a kind of a project, you got to coach him up, maybe it takes him a year or two to hit a, a good level of starter. He's already 26, 27. So that, that does play into the evaluation a little bit. Yeah. A guy that I wanted to talk on is the next guy that we both have in mm-hmm. Daniel Falele. And he's just an impressive human being. I, he is massive. Yeah. Um, I think he measured in at like six foot eight, like 380 something pounds at the, at the uh, combine. So just a massive human being who moves well for his size. Um, I, I think he doesn't have great athleticism overall, but for a man that is that big, he moves really well. Um, I think he struggles a little bit with speed rushers, and that's something that you're just going to have to deal with. He probably won't be a left tackle, in my opinion. I'd put him at right, yeah. um, just so he's not protecting the quarterback's blind side. But I think he's got a lot of potential, um, and I think he could – He's great in the run. Obviously, he just runs guys over, outweighing some some defensive ends by a hundred plus pounds. Um, so, an impressive guy that I, I would like to see where he goes at the next level and what those coaches can do with him. 
Yeah, I, I, Falele is pretty underrated, honestly. I think he's going to be a solid starter. Uh, I, he was exposed a little bit at the Senior Bowl, but he's never going to be in that situation where he's completely alone against a, a much smaller, more agile guy as he was consistently at the Senior Bowl. I think you put him at the um, on the right side of the offensive line. He does move really well for that size, and as you said, he's really a dominator in the run game. Then rounding out the offensive tackle rankings, I, I think there's a group of guys who I wouldn't put on the field in year one, but all have the potential and because of their traits to be good starting tackles. And that's, that includes Rasheed Walker, Abraham Lucas, Sean Ryan, Max Mitchell. And so that's why I, I, I think that these guys can end up getting pushed up come, come draft weekend because it's, it's just uh, that much of a premium position and they do possess the traits. I think we can move on to the interior offensive line now. And my interior offensive lineman that I have at the top of these rankings is Kenyon Green. Uh, and I have a, a mid-first round grade on him. I'm a huge fan of Kenyon Green. I think that he has absolutely incredible power. Uh, he's got really good quickness, good technique, and really valuable versatility. We've seen him play four of the five positions in the uh, on the offensive line. And I think that if you're in a pinch at, at tackle, you definitely can slide him out, even if it's his best position is guard. And the reason I have him ahead of Linderbaum and, and Johnson is I think that Linderbaum, I love his 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 athleticism, his intelligence, but you know, his his power is not great. And if you get really strong defensive tackles, they can push the pocket by going through him. And then Zion Johnson, who I also have a first round grade on, I, I also think will be a really solid uh, starting interior offensive lineman in the NFL. He's great in a phone booth. You're not pushing him back. He, he really just never gives up ground. He, you just don't. You're not really going to be using him pulling to the second level too much because he's not quite the athlete that Linderbaum is. So while I think that that Green can really do it all in terms of of what power, size, and athleticism offers you, Linderbaum ha, is is more of an athlete than he is powerful, and and Johnson is more powerful than he is an athlete. Yeah, and I, I think you really put all three of those guys uh, or described them really well, and I think. The reason that I have Linderbaum ahead of Green is, is like you said, with the athleticism. Uh, I really like my guards to be able to move and pull and mm -hmm. get out in front of the running back, and that's why I have Linderbaum as my interior offensive lineman uh, one, just because you know he shows a great ability to move, get out in front, either, whether it's it's pulling or getting up to the second level. Um, yeah, his his size and his length does concern me a little bit, um, but we have seen centers uh, with that lack great size. Uh, in length, succeed in the NFL. Jason Kelsey, I think, is is only a little bit bigger uh, than Tyler Tyler Lindenbaum. So I think in the right situation, Lindenbaum can be a, a good success. On I think he can be you know a top a top eight center uh, in the NFL. Garrett Bradbury scares me a little bit though. He was a guy I was high on coming out. He went top twenty. He had kind of a similar profile to Lindenbaum, and he uh, I'd say he's disappointed a little bit. Yeah, I think you know. There's obviously with guys that are that small, you're going to see, you know, successes and, and failures. I'm willing to bet on uh, on Linderbaum to succeed, though. I think, you know, he was easily, in my opinion, the best center uh, in college football this year. And he did struggle a little bit versus the the really big defensive tackles. And I think, you know, that won't change. But I think he'll be able to learn how to use um, some of the defensive linemen's momentum uh, against them. Yeah, overall, I think this is a really good center class, actually. I think Dylan Parham, Cole Strange, and Luke Fortner, who I, all of them graded in that order in the late second to early third round, I, I think that all of them can be good starting centers in the NFL. And I think before we move on to the next position group, we've got to address a couple guys who are really gaining a lot of steam 
in NFL circles that we're not quite as high on. The first one of those is Tyler Smith from Tulsa, who I grade in the fourth round, you grade in the third, but there's a good chance he goes round one. Now, my, my main issue with Tyler Smith is I think there's just the, the extent to which you need to work on his technique. It, it makes it unrealistic to, to pick him within the, first, the top 75 picks. And I think he, he really lacks discipline too. He, was, he had 12 holding penalties this year. And if you look at the other side of the offensive line, you've got Chris Paul at Tulsa, who's also an NFL prospect. He doesn't have quite the trace that Smith does, which is why he's a day three prospect. But the technique's really good, which makes me question why, why Smith's isn't. So I think I think Smith's best position in the NFL is guard. And I'm I'm just I am really do question if he if he can live up to the billing of a first round tackle, even with a few years of development, just given how how much work needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, for me, the the technique from Tyler Smith, you know, really isn't there to warrant a first round pick. I get that he has some of the traits, um, but just the 16 penalties to me is a, a killer. You can't have mm-hmm. your offensive tackle committing 16 penalties or any offensive lineman uh, for that case. And Cam Jurgens is a guy that you know he's been talked about go to the top end of of round two and i have a 4.5 on him and oh that should say 4.8 my bad for uh the the last two guys on on your rankings it should be 4.3 and 4.8 um so that was a a short a small typo but to me jurgens just is a a confusing prospect to hear why anyone would have him in the second round i think that he falls off blocks consistently and i see him you know just sometimes kind of give up on the play if a guy beats him uh, there were multiple plays where I saw him just turn his head and watch the guy go by him. Um, I, he shows some aggressiveness, but just a guy that kind of falls off his blocks and tends to give up on plays. Sometimes I, I can't really take, uh, in on day two. Yeah, I, I, I agree on, on with that take on Jurgens. We've even heard that he might go ahead of Linderbaum, which I, I, I would be floored because I think, I think Linderbaum, they have a similar, uh, profile in which they, they, they kind of lack, um size but what they'd lack in size to make up for in, in athleticism but Linderbaum is just so much more technically proficient so much more aware on the football field that I, I would really not understand if Jerkins went ahead of him and now we can dive into the running backs and we both have the same RB1 and that's that's Kenneth Walker I know you're even higher on him than I am you really we both love his, his speed he can really just hit the ground running and and break it for a touchdown on any touch um, and Brees Hall, my, the, my number two is someone I also really like. I think he's super well-rounded. He's got even, he's got more power than Walker for sure. And he's, and he's got good athleticism too. What really put Walker ahead of Hall for me is the, the amount of tread, so to say on Brees Hall's tires. He has 718 career, uh, carries compared to 480 for Walker. And what that might mean is that Walker's peak in the NFL might last maybe even a full year longer than, than Brees Hall. So while I would have Brees Hall ahead of Walker, because I think he's just even more well-rounded, that's what pushes Walker ahead of Hall for me. Yeah, I kind of uh, liked Walker's tape better than Hall's a little bit. I thought, to me, Walker was a bigger threat to have a, a home run, so to speak, on every single play. I think, you know, you saw multiple games where, I, you know, 70, 80-plus yard runs for touchdowns, and, I think, you know, he was a Heisman contender uh, at least early on in the season. And to me, just his explosiveness, his speed uh, were really what put him in my RB1 conversation. Uh, a guy that I want to touch on, and we both actually have the same exact grade on, on him, is James Cook, the, the running back from Georgia. And, you know, he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. He kind of split mm-hmm. carries and touches the whole time at Georgia with Zamir White. 
And I, I think he was the better of the two uh, running backs at Georgia. And the most interesting thing to me uh, with James Cook is he's – I think he's a really good receiver as well oh, uh, yeah. as a running back. I think he's a great route runner. Uh, I mean, you saw him, you know, line up out wide sometimes. I think that's a huge advantage, especially in today's NFL where he can create, you know, mismatches because he's listed as a running back, but he can he can play sometimes like a wide receiver. Yeah, Cook, Cook is going to be a dynamic receiving option in the NFL. And even running between the tackles, he's really got that burst and that speed to make an impact. Uh, another guy I want I want to touch on, and that's my running back three between Hall and Cook, is Isaiah Spiller. I think Spiller is going to be a, a draft day steal. I've heard people say that it's Walker and Hall, and there's a big gap. I've, I've, I've got Spiller with the same grade as Hall. I, I think that he's got a pretty good size, pretty really good contact balance, really good burst. And what I really like about him is his receiving ability. I, I think that he, along with maybe right after James Cook, has the best route running ability in, in this uh, class. I think he shows more in terms of route running than than, Ken, than Kenneth Walker and then, than Brees Hall. And he's, he's going to be a, a solid three down back in the NFL. Yeah, I think um... – a guy that I've heard, you know, kind of day in the day two range is Pierre Strong, and I, I don't really agree with that. And he's on the next page for you, but I don't think we're either of us are big fans of his. And I just, I just don't see it. I think we see so many running backs in, you know, in today's NFL and in the draft that lack, you know, kind of one elite trait. And to me, that's kind of where many of the guys are that are, you know, late third, fourth, fifth round picks. I think they're just average all-around running backs that I don't really see anything special with and that's kind of what I see with Pierre Strong and you know not to say that he's a bad player I think you know he could be a RB2 in the NFL but I just don't see that you know day two conversation from Pierre Strong. Yeah my issue with, with Pierre Strong is actually it, it's a peculiar one not not one that I noted for any other running back in this class but I, th I think he doesn't have enough of a, a north-south mindset I think he gets too cute trying to, to bounce runs outside to take the extra cut instead of just you know charging forward and getting extra yards and there are other running backs in this class that are that are really good at that like i think zamir white can become a starting running back in the nfl and a lot of the reason for that is he consistently falls forward when he's ending his run he's going to get multiple extra yards because he's just so good at leaning forward and taking his momentum forward for extra yardage and i i don't really see that part of of pierre strong's game and I think yeah. now we can move on to the wide receivers. And I mean, it, it's pretty interesting because we broke down the wide receivers earlier in, in the, the draft process, I think in January, and my rankings have stayed really similar to those. We, we both stuck with our, with our guns. We got Traylon Burks, wide receiver from Arkansas as number one. Uh, I, I heard so much negative talk about him, and I think that was fueled by the disappointing testing numbers. But when you go back on on tape, he's a he's a good athlete. It, it, he's a much better athlete than his testing numbers. I love his ability to get the contested ball. I think he he has some real potential as a route runner. And after the catch, he he is so dangerous. And watching Debo Samuel excel with the 49ers all season just makes me really love what a creative offensive coordinator could do with Burks because I, I not only do I think he's he's a really good wide receiver but I think that if you were to manufacture touches for him like the 49ers did with with Debo Samuel he could really be dangerous on the ground and I think he he might be the only guy in this draft class that has the thickness in his lower body to be able to to really add that facet to his game which is what really excites me about Traylon Burks on top of everything he already 
offers as a receiver. Yeah, I, I, I understand that people were disappointed with his testing numbers. I mean, I, I was. I thought he would test better than that. But there's just a discrepancy on film. Um, and, yeah, he's more of a he, – he takes a little a little time to wind up and get moving. But once he's moving, he's moving fast. And he did show on tape that he could outrun some DBs. So, I, you know, I'm not going to worry about his 40 time. I think it is what it is. He plays faster than his 40 time. And, you know, I, I think he's really dynamic after the catch. He's going to break tackles. I think he can really do everything you want in a number one wide receiver. Yeah, and now the next guy, and, and for both of us at wide receiver too, is Jameson Williams, and I really like Jameson Williams too. He's he's a really different type of player. He's more he's he's more of a speedster, and and usually that has a negative connotation because you see so many guys come out, they've got speed, but you know they can't play through contact. They're not good route runners. They're just straight line guys. He's a truly an elite athlete and an elite wide receiver. Uh, the speed is real. It, it, it so is he will outrun defense defensive players as angles in pursuit get touchdowns that way. He's he's got flashes of really good route running and n- knowing that he has he has really less experience compared to other receivers in this class because he he only recently transferred from Ohio State to Alabama. I get really excited thinking about how much more he has ahead of him in terms of development as as a, a route runner. If he were to to become a a, a real route running merchant com- combined with that athletic ability, I think he he can be one of the very best wide receivers in the NFL. My I'm not concerned about the ACL tear. I didn't really even dock him for that because it's it's not the the terrible injury it used to be, uh, and this his his is supposed to be uh, rehabbing really well. Apparently, my one concern would be a little bit of of how he'll deal with NFL physicality. But I think the Cincinnati game, where some people try to say that he had a bad game because he didn't really break a a big play, I don't think that's true because he showed that you know if needed he can be more of a possession receiver and and work. Uh, the dirty part of the field and in the middle and then to intermediate range. So I, I really like Jameson Williams. I will say that Sauce won that matchup, though. I think he, between... he did, but but Sauce is an even better prospect. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to that next week. Um, the guy that I have wide receiver three, Garrett Wilson. You have wide receiver four. Um, and for me, Garrett Wilson is just a really really good all around receiver. Uh, I don't think he necessarily excels at one one thing i think he's a good route runner i think he is you know dangerous after the catch he's not going to break a ton of tackles but i think all around he's really good um at pretty much everything you could ask for in a wide receiver and i did have him lower uh on this list beforehand when i wrote up the scouting report in early was it early march maybe late february um and my biggest knock on him was that he he struggled with contested catches, um, and that's just because I genuinely did not see that in any of the film that I watched. Um, and we got I got a lot of backlash for that. I got sent a bunch of videos, and, you know, that showed me that, you know, he did uh, – or he was able to, to make those plays with the contested catch, and he was actually did it really well. Um, so that bumped him up for me. And then just re-watching him, it just – there's this kind of a gut feeling, and I just think he's going to be a really good receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I, I've got Drake London ahead of him just because I think that London's size and ability to bring the ball down in contested catch situations is really one of the best I've ever seen. But at the same time, Garrett Wilson's just such a safe prospect. He's going to be a, a good receiver. Now, the other the guy that I have at number five, I really like Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. I, I think that he's got incredible hands. And he's got a, even though he's a smaller target, he's got a pretty good catch radius, kind of like Amara St. Brown. He He's good at 
extending beyond what you'd, what you'd expect from his size to make the catch. He's a really good route runner. He's got dangerous speed to stretch the field from the slot. And, and so I, I think he's going to, he's going to be a real steal. And Chris Olave is, is a guy that might be going ahead of him, but I've got just behind him with an early second round grade. Cause I, I do struggle to, to see him just facing up with physical NFL corners and, and winning regularly. Yeah. I think people are kind of in love with Chris Olave's speed. Um, I don't, I, he's fast. Don't get me wrong, but I don't see that game breaking speed, uh, you know, on tape all the time. I, I think he's, he is a deep threat, but I just think the way people talk about him, sometimes you think he runs in like the four twos, the, the high four threes. And I, just to me, I don't see that on tape. And, you know, he was, he was low four threes at the combine with, you know, the, the fast turf, if we want to call it. So I, I think, Maybe his speed gets overrated a little bit. Yeah, that might actually be because at first it broke that he ran a four two six. Everyone just associated this insane speed with Chris Olave, and even after it was confirmed to be four three nine, which is really fast, just not quite as fast as four two six. That 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 label kind of stuck with him. I also want to highlight just just how deep this wide receiver class is because beyond these top six guys, I think you've got a handful of future quality starting NFL receivers. John Mechie, unfortunate ACL tear also, just like his teammate Jameson Williams from Alabama, but he's he's going to be a, a really solid a slot receiver. George Pickens, man, he, he's he got all the potential in the world, also coming off an ACL tear. Didn't really show that he was back to full form, but if you, if you look at his 2020 tape, he, he really dominates in the air, and he's a pretty good athlete too. Christian Watson, we know all the potential he has. With those traits, Wandale Robinson and Sky Moore are two guys coming out of the slot with really good athletic traits, good route running. David Bell might not have the best athletic testing, but you know I think that he he really uh, is just a savvy football player who knows how to how to get open with his routes. And, and you might go looking through to this in in a few years, you might go almost like 15, 16 guys deep as well. They are productive NFL starters. Yeah, I just tossed up the, the second page of those wide receiver rankings. And they're uh, still really good guys there. Yeah, I was going to say Romeo Dubs is a, a deep threat guy that I like from Nevada. I think him and Carson Strong really showed off uh, between Strong's arm and, and Dubs's deep threat ability. Uh, and he, when he's running you know, deep, it, he he looks more like he's running effortlessly. He's just got this really long stride, this these really long legs. And I, I always feel like he can even turn it up a notch even more uh, than he does on tape. And I think a guy that's almost almost unfortunate um, is Justin Ross. I think he showed so much potential, uh, you know, as a freshman with Trevor Lawrence. And he had that spinal injury uh, and, you know, surgery. And I don't think he ever really rebounded from that. Yeah, it, it is unfortunate. It, in the end, I just – I don't really see anything special there for, for Justin Ross. I think I don't think he's got special size or special athleticism. I think he he's – highest ceiling honestly at this point might might just be wide receiver three which is pretty disappointing given where he was a couple of years ago and now i think we can move into our last position group tight end and for me it's really it's really a two-man tier at the top and then a big gap I, I really love trey mcbride and greg dulcich as we've talked about before i think both of them have the potential to be great blockers and great receivers at the same time and, and that's the only guys in this class i think really could excel at both after that in the third round range, I've got Isaiah Likely, who I think if he improves his route running can be a really good receiver, but maybe never that much of an alpha blocker in line. 
Jake Ferguson's got got some good potential in both phases, just yet to really put it together. And then I like Kate Otten too as as a really elite blocker, but not a guy that that is gonna really be able to come down with acrobatic catches or stretch the seam or anything like that. So I've got a little surprise with Greg Dulcich as my tight end one. Wow, um, look at that! I, I just I think overall you might have been higher on all these tight ends than I was. Um, yeah, I maybe I was a little you know. I was expecting a little bit of, you know, Kyle Pitts from last year, just, you know, but with Dulcich for me, I just think McBride's probably a little bit better of a blocker. I think Dulcich was a little bit more dynamic after the catch. Um, And I think Dulcich probably a little bit raw at times as a blocker. I think he can improve. Um, But there's just something after the catch when watching both their tapes and I watched them consecutively, I just – there was something about Dulcich. I was like, I really like this guy after the catch, and it was more than McBride. So that's just kind of, I have the same grade on him. That's what made me put him ahead of McBride. I think, like you said, though, both of them could be really solid uh, starting tight ends in the NFL. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a pretty good assessment. And now that really wraps up the, these positional rankings. We apologize for for the couple technical difficulties and the, the couple typos. We'll make sure everything runs really smoothly next week when we'll be back with our defensive rankings position by position. And, you know, I might be even more excited for those because I feel like we, we've talked about the tight ends, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks. We've yet to really on the pod dig into these defenders. And I think it's a really talented defensive class. So if, if you're out, if you're out there watching, make sure to come back early next week for for that episode because it's going to be a fun one yeah and thanks everyone for watching listening like casa said we'll be back with another episode next week